Hey everybody, this is Tina with Good Nurse, Bad Nurse, and I wanted to just take a minute before the show starts to let you know that my guest this week, not only is she extremely funny and an amazing nurse, but she also is a wonderful singer. And we didn't even talk about that in the episode, but I wanted to share with you a song that she wrote for one of her patients that is the most beautiful. Her her voice is gorgeous, but she the song is beautiful as well. And it was a blessing to me when I heard it, and I wanted to share it with you guys too. So stick around after the show to hear Kara's amazing song. Thanks. You guys have a good week and enjoy the show. everybody, this is Tina again with Good Nurse, Bad Nurse, and this week I am so excited. So, if, I don't know, maybe a month ago or so, I was scrolling through Facebook and I found this hilarious video that I watched a thousand times. I kept watching it over and over again, sending it to all my friends, sending it to all my my CNA friends and my nurse friends that I've tried to make a bed with at the hospital. And then we did all of these things, although uh, she did have a few extra tricks that we're going to try in the future. Uh, Some math calculations. (laughs) So I have Kara with me that uh, did the video. She's the one that was trying to put that sheet on and it is hilarious. Hi, Kara. Hello. So nice to be with you. Oh, it's so nice to have you. So I figured I would reach out and see if you wanted to do an episode because I like to have guest nurses and guest medical professionals on. And I thought, what a great person to have on somebody that has such a great sense of humor and sees the, (laughs) you know, sees the fun and the humor in situations like that, because it can be so frustrating. I definitely try. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You might as well laugh, right? Yeah, I know. Because sometimes it's so serious. We need the comic relief to get through the day. And uh, I know my coworkers, I I started just doing these videos just for them. And then one of my friends said, you need to post that online. And I did not expect it to go viral. And it did. So it was pretty cool. Well, it is. It's it's so funny. I think that anything like that that you can relate to, which, you know, in the healthcare field, not everybody gets our struggle. Mm-hmm. So we all get it, you know, when we see things like that. And I had a coworker that we were just talking about this right before I saw that video. We were literally talking about how frustrating it can be trying to put those sheets on and they don't yes. fit. They are about half the size of the It's mattress. so true. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. You gotta stretch them or we've had to cut them. Yeah. Yeah. You do what you have to do. And, and I've literally pulled one corner of the mattress all the way up and then like cram it around and then just like let go. And of course, then it just like stretches the whole thing and it sort of like bends. And you yeah, know, and the, the mattress is a U shape until right. the patient lays on it. You know, with these beds that we got, though, they're the mattress is bolted to the bed frame. So when we first tried to, you know, bend the mattress up, we we're like, what is this? And then we were trying all kinds of ways. Well, we found out that the new beds they got for us, there was actually matching sheets to come with them, but they were not purchased. So we have just been stretching out the other sheets and we finally figured out a method to make it work, but you know, a method to the madness. So it's, it's okay now. Well, you know, sometimes hospitals run on a tight budget, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can imagine. I try to be understanding, but sometimes you're just like, Oh, come on. You couldn't have sprung for the extra little bit that it would have cost. To buy the I know, sheet. please. But, <laughs> but we made it work, you know, nurses and CNAs, we all have a bit of inventiveness to ourselves. So I think, Oh yeah. There's plenty of, of times when you have to just figure out how to make it work to get through. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Give good patient care. Mm-hmm. So this week we have three pretty good stories. I'm really excited about them. Uh, first of all, just in the news, we found a story about a nurse who, well, it's actually a, a mother was looking for a nurse who she said saved her baby's life. Mm -hmm. And she said that so when her baby was born, they thought everything was fine. And one nurse noticed that the the baby's lips were kind of had a a blue tinge to it, which Mm -hmm. is I know one of the assessments that you do whenever you assess the baby. I remember that from way back in the day when I did one (laughs) clinical rotation. Yeah, when I was terrified to death in the NICU (laughs) doing my clinicals. Yeah, (laughs) but so I guess the nurse noticed it and said, "What? Well, this is a little unusual. Something is not right here. And 
alerted the physicians and the physicians sent the baby to Nick, the NICU for tests. And then I guess the baby's condition started deteriorating and they figured out that the baby did have a heart condition, a very mm-hmm. serious heart condition that required immediate attention. Mm-hmm. And the woman was there by herself. She said it took six hours before she, she could even get in touch with anybody in her family. And so this nurse was not only did she do what she did in recognizing what was going on with the baby, but she also was just kind of there for her, giving her hugs, just giving her support, keeping her updated on what was going on with the baby. And she just after she was discharged from the hospital and then I guess over a couple of years, the baby had had several surgeries And she didn't have any contact with this nurse, but just had thought about her over the years thinking, I wish I wish I could just say something to her. Yeah. Thank her. Yeah, definitely. Thank, you know, it's awesome how nurses are advocates for patients because people don't know what to look for. And I can imagine a new mom and a new dad would just be super excited to see their baby and your baby is perfect in your eyes, 10 fingers, 10 toes, you know, Mm -hmm. the cutest little lips and the cutest little nose. And a nurse, you know, comes along checking on maybe mommy feeding baby or holding the baby and, and sees like just a blue tinge and you act on your instinct. Mm -hmm. And so to advocate for our patients with, you know, doctors are busy and they've got 50, 75 patients they're seeing that day. And so we are the people that stand at the line of, I I believe, saving lives to alert the doctor, Hey, something's going on. And so kudos to that nurse, Mm -hmm. um, for saving a life and saving a family. Oh, I know. And and she appreciated it so much. The, the mother just couldn't stop thinking about it. She said every time the baby would have to go back to the hospital for a procedure or checkup, she would kind of look and just wonder, you know, is she here? And she never would see her. And so she put a request out on social media for if anybody, I guess, knew who she was and like mm-hmm. share her post. And then they were able to get in touch that way. And the nurse thought it was so sweet that she you know, that she thought enough of her to want to get in touch with her. And yeah, I think sometimes we like underestimate how much of an impact we can have on people. And Mm -hmm. of course, that nurse had to know, like, I played a hand in saving this child's life. But when it's what you do every day, sometimes you are just doing your job. And it's not that you become numb to how what you're doing can be heroistic to people. Mm -hmm. But I think sometimes we forget what an impact we make. And so it's pretty awesome that she actually found the nurse. I know. And I bet the nurse is probably just thinking, well, I just did my job. I, you know, I get paid to be there for 12 hours and I get paid to do my assessments and chart yeah. what I see and report what I see to the provider. And, and the, to that mother, it was everything in the world. It was- Yo, yeah. I can't, I can't imagine. And Kudos to her also for working to all of the pediatric nurses and the NICU nurses out there. Mm -hmm. I remember doing my clinicals and they were like, okay, flip the baby over to check, you know, for that little tuft of hair to Mm -hmm. that might indicate, you know, spina bifida. And I was shaking so bad that I couldn't even flip the baby over. Mm -hmm. And they're like, you're not going to break it. Like it survived the birth canal. And I was like, I'm going to, so I, I work with adults for a reason. You can't break them too easily. So (laughs) (laughs) I'm kind of the same way. I, I'm not afraid I'm going to break the baby. I've had babies, but I'm so, I get so, I think I have a hard time separating the emotions. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I think I could be really happy about all of the happy times that happen, but the rare times when things go, don't go the way they're, you know, they're supposed to, I don't know that emotionally I would be made to be able to, you know, to handle that stuff. Yeah. Wow. No, I, yeah. (laughs) Which I'm so thankful that there are people who can, because Mm -hmm. we need everybody. Yes. Yeah. It's a team. Yes, for sure. So that was our little in the news segment, which brings us to the bad nurse story this week. And this is a a story that I found. It's a pretty, it just happened this year. And I was just completely fascinated by the, all of the stuff that was kind of, I kind of uncovered as I was doing this research. Mm -hmm. So this is about a Chicago nurse who was accused of attempting to hire a hitman. Crazy. <laughs> yes. And it kind of, just to sort of give a little background to people who don't know, there is a thing called the dark web. And in this 48 hours 
episode, they sort of describe it as the Internet's evil twin Mm -hmm. and a place of absolute lawlessness is another way that they kind of described it. I guess it's like the Internet except no boundaries, no borders, no rules. It's just anything goes. And a lot of it is untraceable. They don't have any way of, yeah, they don't know where anybody is. Like there's no. You can't trace IP addresses or anything like that. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, I've heard even organs can be sold and people are sold. So grief. I will never access the dark net. <laughs> I never want to do it. And I was I was thinking, is there some way to accidentally like get on there? I don't want to ever oh go gosh. on there. No, because then they'd like flag you and FBI would show up <laughs> on your door or something. Yeah. And I was, yeah. And I'm like, try, when I'm trying to research this story, you know, I try to look up all of the stories I can find just to get different perspective sometimes there's a new detail so I'm scared to death as I'm typing this stuff into my search <laughs> am I going to accidentally click on the dark web like well, can you google dark web and not get flagged <laughs> or the police call you like <laughs> which makes no sense because that's the whole point of it being the dark web is that yeah. you can't get to it but <laughs> <laughs> there's special software kind of like if wow. you know you need a different browser so for instance if you have like you have Safari Mm -hmm. and you need to download Chrome and use that as a a search engine. This is a search engine specifically, I guess, to get into the dark web. It gives you like the shivers of like, you know, the hair stands up on the back of your neck Mm -hmm. feeling. Yeah. Very, very creepy. It's scary. (sighs) And all of the sites on there are just scary to me. Horrendous. And this nurse yeah. figured out how to do it. Yes. She must have been desperate. Must have been. So Peter Van Zant, uh, who is the investigative journalist, I guess, who is on 48 Hours, he uncovered several cases of murder of for hire being attempted on the dark web. So there's a man by the name of Chris Montero who claims to be an internet white hat hacker so he hacks, but he it's supposed to be kind of a good guy. He's trying to, to do good with his hacking. Like a vigilante hacker? <laughs> yes, a vigilante okay. <laughs> hacker. And so apparently he hacked into a website that claims to allow people to hire hitmen through it on the dark web. Ooh. So he hacks into it. He kind of uncovers some some hits where people have, have been requesting murder for hire for different people. So as Peter Van Zandt is investigating the dark web and working on the story, I guess he gets connected with this guy and they uncover all of these things that are, he, they were investigated one story that was about a couple out of Minnesota. Mm-hmm. The woman's name is Amy Allwine. And they found out that somebody was trying to hire a hitman to kill her. And this is this nice couple in Minnesota. They were very religious, um, very involved in their church. They, had been married like 20 something years. Yeah. They had a little boy. Uh, she trained dogs. He was like a computer programmer or something so it like that. seems like an affluent family that. Just very nice, very all American kind of couple in Minnesota. And all of a sudden, the police are coming to them saying, Hey, someone's trying to hire a hitman to murder you, talking to the woman. Wow. So they're shocked. Both of them are just in complete shock. And then she starts getting threatening letters saying that we're going to come after your family uh, and you should kill yourself. They're trying, this person or whoever is trying to encourage her to kill herself. How terrifying. Mm -hmm. And then she's, there's nobody that should want her dead. They, they don't understand what's going on or why it's happening. The police seem to not be able to do anything about it. Mm -hmm. And then she ends up being found dead by her husband with a gunshot wound to the head. And he makes a 911 call and says, I just found my wife. She's she shot herself. Mm. So he came to that conclusion. Yeah. When he saw her, he just said she she shot herself. And the 911 call is so eerie. It is because you can hear their son, who was eight years old at the time, screaming in the background, talking. And eventually the investigation would show that there had been blood cleaned up in the house yeah, and that really there was no way she could have shot herself. No, he tried to stage the scene. Exactly. It had been staged. They found evidence on her husband's computer that he had been having an affair using the website Ashley Madison, which is kind mm. of... A- I have actually heard of that, um, like on uh, other crime shows mm-hmm. being a problem. 
Well, in 2016, there was a big breach of their client database. Yes. And they leaked out all these names of high-profile people who use that website to have affairs because I guess it's an, it's what it's for. You wonder it's, how many wives or husbands, mm-hmm. I mean, how many marriages that yeah. completely uprooted. I know. Man. Well, and whoever did that, I guess that they consider themselves a white hat hacker, you know, because they're (laughs) exposing what's going on. I mean, if you're not doing anything wrong, you shouldn't have a problem. Yeah, nothing to hide. Mm -hmm. And so they did find out, though, that he was having he had had several affairs through that website. And the thing is, when I was watching that 48 hours episode and kind of learning about this is he did counseling through his church to married Mm. couples who were having problems. And that's how he learned about the Ashley Madison website was because other people were struggling with this. And so then he's doing count. It's crazy. It's it's crazy where um, people can start and then where they can go. Mm -hmm. Maybe a little known fact about me is that my dad is a pastor. And one thing he says is, you know, we all know right from wrong Mm -hmm. and um, it will always take you farther than you wanted to go. And you will always end up somewhere you never imagined you would be. And so starting off as a Christian counselor, and then maybe somebody told him about this website, and he was like, well, maybe let me investigate and see what this is so that I can better educate the people I'm counseling. And then it turned into something else. You Mm -hmm. never know. Right. That's exactly right. And clearly, I don't know his intentions or his heart, but it he that's exactly what happened to him. Apparently, he, he probably just started going down that road and I mean, the the fact that he would get so far gone that he could want his, his, the mother of his child and mm-hmm. and his wife of all these years, who by all accounts of all of the people that were around her was a wonderful person. I never understood that. Like, why not get a divorce? Was mm-hmm. he afraid of maybe the backlash from um, friends or close, you know, people that looked up to him or, but honestly, divorce is better than being a murderer. I know, but I, I guess if he felt like he could get away with it, yeah. then he would be the widower, you know? Yeah. Maybe he had some kind of so like complex. Mm-hmm. Wow. He, he actually comes across a lot more sympathetic and rather than being the person who left his wife of 20 years, he's a widower who lost his wife in a tragic, mm-hmm. you know, suicide or whatever. And I guess that's how he looked at it, which kind of tells you, you don't ever know what somebody's heart really is. Even if somebody, they may be going to church, have been going to church their whole life. Mm-hmm. You just don't know what's in someone's heart and what they're capable of. And Yeah, that's, that's exactly it. And at the end of the day, sometimes I think like family is all you have, but for mm-hmm. this poor woman, yeah. it was her husband. I know. And there are people out there like that. And, and so I, you wonder if she ever thought like it ever occurred to her at all. Could this be my husband? Was she getting any signals or, or afraid to say something? Yeah, I know. You just, I guess you just don't know. I think everybody was pretty shocked around mm-hmm. them. So apparently there is a digital currency known as Bitcoin. Had you heard of this before? Yeah, my little brother actually told me about Bitcoin when it first became a thing. And he was like, there's some 17 year old that's now a multimillionaire off of a fake currency. It's an online currency. And so I've looked at it a little bit. Um, It's starting to um, decrease in value because it's literally a currency somebody just created out of nowhere and it became a thing. Um, Mm -hmm. But people still use it all over the world instead of cash or visa or, you know, credit to to buy things. It's crazy. They basically trade real money for digital money Mm -hmm. and it's not tracked it's not associated with a large bank or so it's it's weird to me but (laughs) I guess it's the same thing as our money is kind of like that too our money is it's a piece of paper that really doesn't mean a whole lot it's like it represents some what does it even represent? Like, yeah, you like, really get down to why it? does this piece of paper matter? Someone just decided that it does. And I'm like, okay. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah. it does. It matters to a lot of people. So that's kind of how Bitcoin is in a digital way. So people can use Bitcoin on the dark web to pay for these services. Because it's untraceable. So mm-hmm. that makes sense. Yeah. So they think 
Well, they think it is. Yeah. <laughs> there was another story, and I'm going to get to the to the bad nurse story because we haven't even gotten there yet. We've, <laughs> we've already covered all this crazy stuff, and we haven't even gotten to the craziest part yet. But there was one story about a guy who tried to have his stepmother killed for inheritance, and he created a Bitcoin account and paid money into it just like as a practice, like, I'm going to put $5 in this and I'm going to see if this hitman gets it Mm -hmm. just to make sure it works. So he didn't put in the whole, you know, 5,000 or 10,000, whatever it was. Well, he had to put in, not only did he have to put in a name and an address and that sort of thing, he literally uploaded his driver's license picture to this thing. Oh my word. So I'm like, wait a minute. If you are thinking this is untraceable, anonymous, you're on the dark web, you're trying to hire hitman, and you're uploading your driver's license picture. Some people, most people do not make for good criminals. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I tell people all the time on when we talk about this, like, if you're thinking about doing something, just don't. Just don't do it. You're not going to get away with it. None of no. us are smart enough. No. <laughs> just don't do it. Just yeah, whatever you're thinking, stop. I'm sure they've seen it all. And as creative as you think you are... I'm sure there's someone that's been more creative and still like big kingpins and stuff. They get locked up all the time. I don't. Yeah. Why do people do that? (laughs) I know. Just don't do it, people. So that brings us to 31-year-old Tina Jones. And she is a registered nurse who lives near Chicago, Illinois. She was married to Toby um, and had been married for a couple of years. And by all Uh, accounts on social media, which we all know is completely accurate. They had a fairy tale life. I mean, we know if you see people on social media and you're happy and smiling and everything looks great, then that must be your real life, right? Yeah. Uh, Everything (laughs) on the internet is true. Yes, of course. (laughs) So they had a happy life. I don't know what went wrong, but she had been, she's been accused of having an affair with an anesthesiologist that she worked with. Mm. And I guess the anesthesiologist broke things off. And then according to authorities, she wasn't real happy about that. I guess not. (laughs) Yeah. So they were contacted by CBS television, by the 48 Hours investigators, with information about someone who was an alleged target in a murder for hot plier. Wow. I think I just said that wrong. Murder for higher plot. <laughs> it's one of those tongue twisters. I totally got it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, uh, that reminds me, uh, like last month at some point, I was, I don't know which episode this was, but I was reading, because I type all these notes out, like I write it up as yeah. a, you know, so I can kind of follow along with my notes. I don't read it, but it's there in case I kind of get lost in my thoughts. And I can be like, wait, where was I? So I read a date right off the paper that was October 31st. Uh-huh. And so instead of reading it October 31st, I read it October 13th. So then oh. I'm like, I, which wouldn't really matter because nobody really cares about dates except dumb me. I said, October 13th. I said, oh, Halloween. And then I just kept on going. <laughs> You're like, man, this lady, when does she celebrate Halloween? You're out <laughs> looking for candy on the 13th. <laughs> My husband was listening to it later, and he was like, Tina, what were you, what? (laughs) I said, it said the 31st on the paper. I don't know why I said the 13th, and I don't know why I didn't catch it, and I don't know why my guest host didn't catch it either. All of us are to blame. I don't blame just myself. We all do it. It just makes people get to know you better. That's okay. (laughs) So anyway, uh, murder for hire plot is what I was trying to say. (laughs) So she was the target, and obviously we're not going to say who this person is, but it was the wife of the anesthesiologist that that Tina Jones was having an affair with. Wow. Yeah, and so the show 48 Hours is researching, you know, the, the dark web, and they just come across this, and they're like, wait, we need to let them know. So they let the authorities know about it, and they arrested her. Wow. And it it looked like the investigation showed that the nurse paid more than $10,000 in Bitcoin to have Man. the colleagues. Yeah. $10,000. I mean, I I mean, I am grateful for everything that nursing provides, but where did she get 10 grand from? To, she must've been really angry. To me, that's the 
that's one of the more shocking things about this whole story yeah. is that a nurse had. I, I don't know. Just 10 I, grand lying around, like, ready to kill somebody with. <laughs> there's no way. I, I don't know. I'm confused about it. So she allegedly contacted the site um, in January. This was just last year, or this year in January, with specific instructions to kill his wife and make it look like an accident. Wow. And the state's attorney said that she went on to the website, which bills itself as a murder-for-hire type website. I mean, it doesn't try to hide this at all it's like you go to the website you can see somebody there with a gun it's like we'll kill like, someone for you it's like and and in the 48 hours mystery thing i thought it was like so funny this because peter van zandt is showing you the web page and he's like look you have here you have a dead body and then you have a guy with a gun and you have a car on fire it's man I mean, like, like, this is advertising on this website. I was just like, this is, it's so surreal and bizarre that I, I have to, I cope with things by laughing at them. That's just how I do it. So I'm sitting there laughing. The cynical humor that we all acquire, yes. I don't think you can really be a nurse for a long time without having some sort of sense of humor like that. I don't, I and I've met a lot of EMTs. That's the same way. I think respiratory therapists, anybody that works in the healthcare field, I think we have to develop that sense of humor because the stuff that we see can be so dark Mm -hmm. or serious or really sad. So, I mean, you have to laugh at some stuff that people are like, that's not funny. Like it is funny. Like, yes, yes, it hits funny. And I try to be sensitive because other people don't understand why I'm laughing about something and I'm not laughing at the victim. Of course, my goodness, you know, but just laughing to to cope. It's a coping mechanism. Well, at this lady's, at the nurse's stupidity for, (sighs) I mean, you, uh, police are smart and they, they have to troll these websites all the time because they Mm -hmm. know how crimes are committed and they know how people, you know, I had a friend that worked as a prison counselor in a women's prison And um, she worked with lifers and she actually decided whether or not that these lifers would see their children ever again. And um, she said the only time that she felt that um, she really felt for one of these uh, prisoners was a woman who'd been arrested uh, in a murder for hire plot um, against her husband. And what had happened was the husband had been um exploiting his own three daughters unfortunately on the dark web uh for uh child images illegal child images and um she found out about it one night when her husband left the computer open and unlocked and the she hired a hitman and it ended up being a cop so she got life for attempted murder and murder for hire and the husband actually served only like nine months or something it was something insane and so she was like as a mom I feel for her and she's like Mm -hmm. I can't say that I would have I wouldn't have thought about doing the same but you know you hear about it a lot where cops bust these people or and you have to think did this go across this nurse's mind yeah well you would think that it would but then again I guess some people get so blinded when it comes to and I won't say love but more like lust when it comes to lust people can just become Absolutely stupid. And just their brains don't work anymore. It's like the chemicals that are causing them to lust after this other person cloud all judgment Mm -hmm. and just cause them to do really stupid things. That's the only explanation I have for it. Yeah, that's anger. I I don't think it's bad to have anger, but it's bad to act in anger. Mm -hmm. And when people lose that sense of self-control and let you know, emotions. I, I try to never make emotional decisions. She must have been just thinking strictly out of emotion mm-hmm. and thinking she could get away with it. And look where she is now. I'm sure she's going to lose her nursing license. I'm sure she's mm-hmm. going to be in prison for a very, very long time. And, but thank God that this poor anesthesiologist wife not only does is her life secure, but she knows what her husband was doing. So now she's got her eyes open to what's really going on. Exactly. So and like I said, this all happened this past year. So it's sort of and this is all alleged because she was she's been accused of this, Mm -hmm. but she hasn't gone to trial yet and been convicted of anything. So it's alleged she has, you know, it's not everyone's innocent until proven guilty until proven guilty. Exactly. Mm -hmm. In May, she was allowed to move to Georgia while out on bond 
to live with her parents in the Atlanta area while she's awaiting trial. And the judge ordered that she ordered that she wear a GPS monitoring system and not leave Georgia unless she's traveling back to Illinois for court appearance. And she has to check in every week by phone. They also, while she's there, she's not to come within a mile of the woman that she was, mm-hmm. you know, trying to allegedly trying to kill. Of course, she pleaded not guilty to four counts of solicitation for murder for hire, two counts of solicitation of murder, and the one one count of attempted first degree murder. Wow. I don't know how all that works and why it's all different, but yeah, I mean, I think they're probably going to try to hit her with whatever they can. And I read as well that she had actually been interviewed by the police and incriminated herself and the police had already read her Miranda rights to her Mm -hmm. said, you know, you have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can will be used against you in the court of law. And they said, you know, if at any time you want to elect to have a lawyer present, you know, you can do that. And we're also, you are not being detained or arrested right now. You have the right to leave, but she never left. She signed waivers and talked to them and never, and when she mentioned a lawyer, she was like, ah, maybe I should have my lawyer, but she never actually elected to. So it's a big thing with the judge too, on whether or not that self-incriminating evidence should be thrown out that interview. That's right. And they did have that hearing and the judge ruled that basically what he said was, because when when she initially came in, she came in of her own volition. She mm-hmm. she didn't, you know, she didn't get brought in. She came in and then she talked directly to a police officer. And that police officer asked if she had done something bad. And her response was, I did. So then they were questioning whether or not she was considered being in custody. Then the court the judge says the court believes that she was in custody, but her statement exactly was when that police officer said, what did you do? She said she had logged into a dark website and it paid almost $11,000 in Bitcoin to have her former lover's wife killed. Wow. Then she said, do I need to get a lawyer or something like that? So the judge is saying, well, at first, the, the, the court has to first consider whether or not she was in custody at the the point the statement was made. Mm-hmm. And although she's later told that she's still free to leave, she had just admitted to acts indicating solicitation to commit murder. So mm-hmm. the court finds that she was in custody at that point. But then the next question is whether the statement constitutes a request for counsel and the court believes that it does not, is what the George said, the judge said. Yeah. And I, I mean, have you ever watched like SVU special victims unit? Yeah. You know, the, or, or uh, Blue Bloods, like the, it seems like detectives, and I don't know how accurate those are, but the detectives will try to get an admission without a lawyer because if that person's going to talk, you know, without a lot of pressure and, and they have a guilty conscience, maybe this nurse had a guilty conscience, she obviously admitted to it. And so, I mean, I would think that I'm glad they didn't throw it out because she's not going to lie. I mean, I wouldn't lie and say I went on the dark web. She's not making it up. So, yeah. well, it says that. She signed a waiver indicating she understood her Miranda rights and made no further mention of an attorney until the police officer told her her laptop would be seized. Mm. So she kind of like, it was a kind of a gray area because she mm-hmm. goes in under her own volition. The police officer says, did you do something wrong? She says, yes. Tells him what she did. Then says, should I get a lawyer? Then he get, reads her Miranda. She signs that she understands it and then doesn't ask for a lawyer. Mm. Then he says, well, I'm going to need your laptop. Then she asks for a lawyer. So basically the judge is saying, well, based on the way all that happened, we're going to let the statement stay. Yeah. Well, when she signed the waiver, I think it was done because mm-hmm. she understood her Miranda rights, one of them being a right to counsel. And yeah. when she didn't elect to have, you know, a public provided counselor present then it's done she talked and there you go yes so should she be found guilty she will not be eligible eligible i can't talk today (laughs) she will not be eligible for 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 nope i can't say it probation (laughs) yeah this is probation i probably typed the wrong word Uh, but she does face a maximum of 40 years in prison if convicted of the most serious offense oh my goodness i mean that's your whole life and yep. how old was she? Um, 31. 31. Well, she's 31. Yeah. So she'll be, I mean, 71 unless she's eligible for parole on good behavior and maybe gets out after 18 years or something like that. That's, yeah. I mean, but you do bad things and you there, there's consequences for every decision. So. Well, and my thing is, 
she's clearly capable of wanting somebody dead and doing something to try to. So to me, that person needs to be locked away from society. She's oh, dangerous. Yeah. She is a danger to to other people because for her, somebody else's life that that woman's life was worth just getting rid of her so that she could have access to her husband. It's just and then imagine working with that nurse. Maybe mm. say that she got off somehow or um but you know her past man you wouldn't want to cross her like no. we all have you know maybe that one employee that maybe your personalities just don't mesh quite right or something like that right but man I'd be so I, I'd try to either stay completely out of her way or mm-hmm. uh, so she she is a danger a menace to society and that now you know everyone would probably be afraid of her is she out to get me or if we disagree on something what's going to happen to me yeah. And imagine her pa- patients that she's taking care of. If she, if one of them makes her mad and she, they're vulnerable, you know, mm-hmm. to her oh, being yeah. able to put something in their IV or so she, obviously she hasn't been convicted yet. She, I don't know when her trial will be. Usually I think it takes a couple of years for that, all these things to go through, you know, the court yeah. system. I'm going to watch this. It says the next court date is scheduled for December the 18th. I don't think that's her trial. I think they just have all these motions and, yeah, you know, hearings. The real kicker in all of this, okay, the hitman sites are nothing but a scam. Well, would would it come across a little, um, if you're on the dark web, and I know things aren't supposed to be traceable, but you would still think that a good hitman would want to be discreet. So did that put any red flags up for her that there was just like a car on fire and a dead person mm-hmm. on, you know, on the site? Like it's super obvious, but... Yeah. I blinded by anger, like you said earlier. I think she was just thinking emotionally and not concretely, of course. Yeah, she just, she obviously was not thinking any of this through. And when the 48 hours, when they continued their investigation, at some point, they almost started questioning Chris Montero, the guy that was kind of the white hat hacker. Yeah. And they said there, there was a part of them that was wondering... Is there any way he could be the, quote, hitman guy? Because there was mm. one guy in particular, you know, that they were kind of going back and forth with. And the guy was like, no, I'm not. And so, but they could not find any evidence that anybody has ever died as a result of these hitman sites. Wow. So apparently That's it's good. all a scam. It's just a way to get people's money. So all these people are going onto the dark web, paying Five thousand, ten thousand. Because what they do is they take five thousand dollars and they say, "I'll do this." And they say, "Oh, sorry, actually, I'm going to need more money because that didn't work." And these people will give them more money, and they will just keep on until they stop giving them money, and then never kill anyone. Well, and it's not like, say, you got scammed out of your money. What are you going to do? Call your bank and be like, "Hey, um, I just gave my money on the dark web, and they were scammed. So can you give it back to me?" Like that's not going to work. I know. I. <laughs> How in the world these people think? So apparently it is all just a big scam and they did this whole huge investigation and then find out not only is it a scam, but then you've also put yourself out there with your name and information and a way to contact you and admitted that you want somebody else dead. Wow. And it's either the police or that, you know, that are not scamming you, but preventing would be killers or Mm -hmm. it's scam artists. So really your options aren't that great. Yeah, because the police go on to the dark web and they pretend to be a hitman trying to get people to come in. Yeah, I think, so, I think we've all seen Dateline. They, you know, they trap pedophiles yeah. and would-be murderers all the time. You would think, man, I hope, I mean, if I was going out for, if I was, which I never would, try to murder someone, <laughs> you would think, is there a smarter way to do this? Because I see people on TV all the time getting caught. But yeah, just consider this a public service announcement (laughs) to all stupid people out there and to pretty much everybody because we're all stupid at some point. (laughs) Just don't do it. Don't if you're thinking about doing something like this, just stop. Don't do it. It will ruin your life and it'll ruin everything. So (laughs) good PSA. (laughs) So that was our bad nurse story. And now we have a nice good nurse story. He's he's not exactly a nurse. Like, did you look into this story at all? Yeah, that he is like a caretaker. Mm -hmm. um, And it looks like he had um, he says that he 
his Christian faith compelled him to do these things. But yeah, why don't you tell us what he did? Because it's really neat. Yeah. So this man who had been living in the United States for over 30 years, uh, working as a welder and a caregiver for the elderly while he was here, mm-hmm. had been deported because he, and I kind of read in into to why, and I, I guess he had a DUI, like something okay. something like that. Yeah. Not that that isn't serious. I just mean people make mistakes. Things yeah. happen. Yeah. And, and thank God he didn't hurt somebody when that happened. And right. maybe this was his attempt to turn his life's purpose around. Exactly. But because of our strict border laws, if there's anything like that that happens with an immigrant who is not supposed to be here, they get deported right away mm-hmm. because if you commit a crime, you're going to go back. So... They did send him back over to across the border. Mm-hmm. And so what he's been doing there is he drives like a little makeshift ambulance that he nicknames La Ambulancia Caminante, mm-hmm. which means the walking ambulance. He works, it says, to, to pay his bill, he works two days a week as a police officer. He does a ton of stuff. I know. It's amazing. <laughs> and then on his own time as a volunteer... He drives this ambulance around to uh, near the border to try to help people who are yeah. approaching the border for asylum. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of people because they travel for a long way and they get there and then they get sick. Something happens, they get injured and then they need help and there's there's really no one to help them. And they don't want to leave. They're not going to go back. So they just stay there. And he goes and he tries. Either he will give them transport back to a hospital or clinic mm-hmm. or he'll give them aid himself. If he can. Man, to take the initiative to make your own ambulance, Mm -hmm. you know, to help people. And then you could tell his heart is towards service um, because he's a police officer and a caretaker and, you know, made up his own ambulance service to (laughs) help people that maybe are suffering from heat exhaustion, you know, or something like that. And it is encouraging to see, you know, somebody that's made a big mistake and, you know, having a DUI count on his record and then turning that into, okay, well, let me get on the opposite side of the law and help people that are going through a really rough time in their lives. So that's pretty cool. Oh, I agree. I thought it was wonderful. And he, you know, he took his misfortune and turned it into an opportunity to help other people, which I thought was really amazing. Yeah. I guess that's about, that's about it. Yeah. I hope that we could all do that. You know, we all make mistakes and Mm-hmm. And hopefully turn those things into lessons learned. Hindsight's twenty twenty. Sometimes, unfortunately, I wish I would have yeah. known before. But to to take an example, you know, from a person like that and be positive because you want to be better, not bitter. So good for him. Oh, I love that. You want to be better, not bitter. You know, that's the thing is the older you get, the, the more you realize that you're going to make mistakes. And I say this to new grads all the time and to nursing students because on the floor at the hospital... We, we make mistakes all the time. Yeah. Seasoned nurses make mistakes. New grad nurses, everybody does. Everybody. There's a, f- a funny story that a friend of mine uh, that was a, actually my preceptor when I started told me about how when she was, I told this story before and I'll keep telling it because I love it so much. <laughs> it makes me smile. <laughs> so she, when she was in nursing school and she was on the floor in her clinicals, the, I guess the charge nurse gave her a task to do and she told her to go through the whole floor and get all the temps and she gave her that little thermometer with the little cord the stretchy you know cord that's attached and she's like go and get everybody's temp so she went around and got all the temps for all the patients and then she came back with her um thermometer she's like okay i'm done she said oh did you find the probe covers (gasps) oh no oh my gosh (laughs) all these ew Oh my gosh. She's, she said she just looked at her and said, Oh, yeah. It's just like, yep. Oh, okay. She did. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. He- I, I had a friend who told me um, that one of her nursing instructors, who was like probably 65 at the time, so she was like back in the days of nursing where, you know, gloves are just becoming a thing. And she <laughs> said that her instructor, she uh, was working at, as a CNA basically in a long-term care facility and was cleaning up um, a bowel movement that somebody had had. And she's like, I looked down into my horror. I was cleaning it all up without gloves on. And she was like, (laughs) I was a mess. And she was like, so, you know, I overuse gloves. And 
I would too, but there are some things you ever get off a day of work and you're like, there, I need five showers. Like Mm -hmm. there's not enough sanitizer in the world, but Mm -hmm. you know, part of why we do what we do, people are sick and I want to make sure that they can feel as good as possible, even to my detriment. So Mm -hmm. yeah. Oh my goodness. She was just like, yep, I know that I use those covers. Yep, sure. (laughs) Oh, gosh. But I love that 20 years later, she told me that story as my preceptor so that I would not feel bad when I made a mistake. And it's so important, I think, for you to admit when you make mistakes, tell people, and I tell people this all the time, at the when I precept someone, Mm -hmm. I try to tell them things that I've done. You know, I did this one time, I did that. And if I have to tell another nurse, if I come across something that they did maybe incorrectly or miss something, I always kind of buffer it with yeah. something that I've done. Like I have done the exact same thing before, so I'm not trying to make you feel bad at all, but I feel like you just needed to know this because it's a safety issue. So next time, you know, hook it this way or do that, you know. Yeah. Nobody's perfect. And I, I see, I totally get what you're saying. Sometimes as providers, I see nurses be themselves up over a mistake. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's never on purpose, but nobody's perfect. And I remember my, um, we had, when I was in nursing school at the university of Indianapolis as sophomore in the nursing program, they would get a senior student to be our mentor. And my mentor, she told me when you're going through nursing school, she's like, just count on not doing so well, or maybe even failing one test year. And I was, you know, a good A, B plus student. And um, she was like, don't let that tear you down. You will be fine. And I remember the first test I failed was a research class. And I hate research. (laughs) And I graded my paper, turned it in, walked out. And I laughed, which, and other girls were crying. And I think on that test, no one passed. (laughs) But, Mm. um, but. And we ended up, you know, getting remediation and retaking it. But I remember laughing and remembering her advice and that no one's perfect. And at the end of the day, I passed the class and now I'm a nurse. So here we are. So yeah. it's all, it's okay to make mistakes and try not to because some mistakes can hurt our patients. Yeah. Um, but you're always going to learn from them. So that's the positive part. Yeah, exactly. Well, I say all that just to kind of, I just want to always remind people that that's kind of why... I like to do this podcast. I want to entertain, educate, and unite healthcare workers. It's another reason I like to have other nurses on and other people from different uh, fields like physical therapy, respiratory yeah. therapy, uh, x-ray, radiology, pharmacy. I dreaded pharmacy. Oh, gosh. You know, <laughs> I used to be a pharmacy technician uh, through <laughs> nursing school, and mm-hmm. what pharmacy people go through and I loved I loved working in a pharmacy but dealing with insurance and oh. people that want you know unfortunately there's a pain medication problem in our country um but man kudos to them but it takes like you said earlier it's a team effort and it takes everybody in a hospital or everybody in a healthcare network to make patient care work so I appreciate what they do doesn't mean I could yeah. do it but I appreciate no. it <laughs> well and other people say that about what we do too so I think yeah. it just it takes the whole team and everybody working together and everybody appreciating each other yeah you know and remembering why we're doing it and if we ever <laughs> lose sight of that just go figure out something else to do you know it's just yeah. not good All right. Well, Kara, tell us where we can find you, by the way, on uh, Instagram, all your social media sites. Okay. um, Well, my YouTube link is uh, youtube.com forward slash lowercase c forward slash capital C-A-R-E-A-H-B as in boy, E-L-L. And that's my YouTube. And then you can find me on Facebook um, under the same name. And I also have a married last name, M-C-P-E-E-K. And uh, my first name is pretty unique, so it shouldn't be too hard to find me. I am my first name, C-A-R-E-A-H, the number one on Instagram. And uh, look forward to meeting some of you guys. And I really appreciated this opportunity. Awesome. Well, it was really fun having you. And you guys be sure and Go and chat us up on Instagram, rate and review and subscribe on all wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget, even if you're a bad girl or a boy, be a good nurse.
times like these I need the words I can see it in your eyes a world of hurt and I know I don't know what you're going through but I know the one who does and he sees you right where you are yeah, he knows how you feel To be all alone With your wounds that won't heal Yeah, he's been where you've been Too weak to crawl No strength to stand For fear you may fall oh, He knows right where you are Right where you are, that he knows how you feel.